0: Tim Taylor, John Cleese, Graham Garden, David Hatch, Joe Kendall, and Bilotti were about to make one of their sallies forth. Or Beethoven's (laughs) Fierce. Into a world of John Otto Cleese. It's, I'm sorry, I'll read that again. Again.
1: speaking to you from the very depths of the lonely Essex village of Cricklewood. And I'm here to meet Mrs. Glasshouse, who's been knitting solidly for four years now. Mrs. Glasshouse, you've been knitting solidly for four years. Now, why?
2: Well,
3: I just can't.
1: Have you never tried to stop?
3: No, I just can't give it up. Like smoking? Yes, I love it.
1: But what exactly are you knitting?
3: Oh, nothing in particular.
1: Well, how much have you knitted now?
3: About three acres. (laughs) Three
1: acres? But where do you keep it all?
3: Well, there's a two-acre field behind the house, and we laid most of it out there. Then we got half a dozen sheep and put them out to graze on the wall. And every spring, we shear them and get a lovely crop of grass.
2: I
1: see. And what did you do with the grass?
3: Well, I knitted a lawn, of course.
1: But there's only two acres in the field. What did you do with the other acre of knitting?
3: Oh, I made it into a house cozy. It was my husband's idea.
1: And where is your husband now?
3: Well, I don't know. He disappeared last week. Poor John. He was such a marvellous yachtsman. One minute he was standing here talking to me, then when I got to the end of the row, I looked round and he was gone. All I could see were a pair of feet sticking out of that pile of knitting.
1: Do you think they were your husband's?
3: Oh, no, that was the milkman. He fell in a month ago.
1: But why did you start knitting in the first place?
3: Well, what else can you do with a pair of needles and 14 tonnes of wool?
1: Where did you get 14 tons of wool?
3: Oh, my husband brought it home one day. He got it for our little girl. As a present? No, in part exchange. <laughs>
1: well, well, Mrs. Glasshouse, thank you for talking to us so frankly about your problem.
3: Oh, not at all. Thank you for holding the ball. <laughs>
0: traffic wardens come in for more than their fair share of mockery.
2: I'm a traffic warden. Mock, 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 mock,
0: But we are apt to forget that they are human and have their problems too. Over now to a lonely parking meter somewhere in the wilds of Suffolk. Woodburn? Woodburn? Where are you, Woodburn? Here,
4: sir.
0: Great heavens,
1: man, what are you doing? I'm
4: crouching, sir.
1: I can see you're crouching, Woodburn. (laughs) Why are you crouching?
4: Well, I was more lurking, sir. Lurking? Yeah, yes, I was hiding from the motorist, sir. I was hoping to nab one.
1: Sir. Yes, very conscientious of you, Woodburn. Thank
4: you,
1: sir. Well, let's have your list of parking tickets, then.
4: I haven't got any, sir. What, none? Well, so nobody ever stops at my meter. What, never? Never, sir. Why not? Don't know, sir. Perhaps, Perhaps I look a bit terrified, sir.
1: <laughs> Be that as it may. Thank you. Nobody has ever stopped here, have they, Woodboe? Oh,
4: sir, I have tried. I've tried all sorts of ploys, sir, to entice them to stop here. I've got a rustic sign once saying, bide a while, on one side. And and will ye know come back again on the other side? <laughs> but they just kept whizzing past, sir. Zoom. <laughs>
1: Well, Woodburn, I'm going to stay here with you until the next one comes along. Oh, okay. i that,
4: For the first two months, I just stood here beside my meter. Day and night in rain, hail, sleet and snow, with a thermos of cocoa in one hand, a liver patty sandwich in the other, and a slice of a plumbed up at Christmas. But they never stopped, sir. They never stopped!
2: Uh,
1: I'm sorry, Woodburn, I wasn't listening. What was that?
4: (laughs) But, but, sir, this parking meters so far out of the town, I don't think people will want to park here.
1: Woodburn, Woodburn, Uh, do I detect a note of recidivist heterodoxy?
4: (laughs) Do you, sir? I think I do, Woodburn, I think I do.
1: You're an anarchist, aren't you?
4: No, sir, you're thinking of my grandmother. (laughs)
1: was a fine woman would burn
4: yes but a terrible man sir <laughs> now, wait a minute wait a minute i can see one coming sir now where well you can well over there sir quick quick sir hide look out here it comes yes i see it will work i owe
1: you an apology you do sir i think perhaps we did put this parking meter in the wrong place after all
0: That was the Vienna Philharmonic Orchestra under Wilhelm Furtwängler. And now, while they're getting up, we are to hear the (laughs) second piece in tonight's Promenade Concert, which comes to you from the Pier-End Wigan. It is the work of the Bolognese composer, Risotto. And in particular, the 12-part madrigal arranged for four voices in Timbrook Taylor. We are to hear the concert tonight, rearranged for the Tillingbourne Folk and Madrigal Society, and our musical correspondent writes that it falls into the vocal tradition of sung music, and contains features which undeniably suggest. So let's listen now <laughs> to uh, There was a ship that put to sea all in the month of May.
1: There was a ship
2: that put to sea All in the month of May With a hah la la la, with a hah la la la. with a hah la 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 la. In the month of May, the merry month of May,
0: there was a ship
2: ship put
0: to sea, a
1: ship put to sea in the month of May.
2: With a hah la la la, la. la.
0: with a hah la la la, with a hah la 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 la. With the pho-la-lo-lo. la la la, la la la, la 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 la, and the ship that put to sea the ship. ship and the ship that put to sea, to sea, to sea, the ship that put to the
2: month of Course.
1: sail,
5: the month that put to the ship in the sea, in the month of May, the, the May, merry month of May, May the the
1: in the month of May, in the month of May, la 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 la, the ship that put to sea in the month of May sank. <laughs> uh,
3: excuse me, uh, I want to see Doctor Cleese for my checkup. Please <clears throat> wait here until the doctor calls. Thank you very much next
5: please come along come along we haven't got all day come on right drop them (laughs) Uh, now take your trousers off
1: they are off sir
5: so they are In that case, your legs need pressing. <laughs> now, uh, can you touch your toes?
2: No, sir.
5: Well, how do you wash them, then, you dirty little brute? <laughs> I'm grubbing round my surgery with your filthy feet. <laughs> well, if you can't touch your toes, your arms must be too short. I'll just have to let them out a bit at the elbows. <laughs>
2: Thank
5: you, sir. Yes. Now, now, come over here. Can you read this card? Oh, yes, sir. Well?
1: It, it says APG XRI, um 8439 dmfrh
5: it's from my aunt in Brighton. She must be out of her mind. <laughs> uh, she hasn't been the same since Mafeking King. Right, well, thank you. Off you go, then. Uh, what
1: about my checkup? Oh, yes,
5: oh, yes, very nice. Uh, now, have you got a temperature? Oh,
1: yes, sir,
5: 106. Hmm, that's a bit high. Better call it 98. <laughs> now, let's see. Uh, breathing. Do you breathe?
1: Uh, yes, quite frequently, actually.
5: Well, uh, breathe in, then. <laughs> breathe out again. Breathe in. <laughs> out. In. Out, faster, in, out, in, out. Keep blowing. Sorry I'd have to make you do this, but the electric fan's broken down. Right, that'll do. Now, uh, how do you feel? Yes, that's quite normal.
0: Now, see if you can reach right up to that
5: top bookshelf. Well done. Hand me down topic of cancer, will you? You know, the, the illustrated one. Thank you. Now, uh, take your shirt off. Oh,
2: no, no, no,
1: no, no, no. I, yes,
5: I yes, oh, yes, I know it's embarrassing. Um, oh, I know. I'll take mine off, too. <laughs> no, no, I've got a better idea. I'll go behind this screen. Oh,
1: thank you very, very much, sir. Thank you indeed,
5: sir. Is it off now? Yes, sir. Oh, put it back on. I want to come out. <laughs> right, now, uh... Eyes, <laughs> nice feet, nose, ribs. Well, I think you've got the full
2: set. Oh, you, oh I know.
5: Teeth. Uh, Open your mouth. Uh, Wider. Uh, Wider. Uh, Wider. Uh. <laughs> i pick them out. Let me see.
2: Are they comfortable? Oh, yes, sir. Very comfortable.
5: Okay, Well, I think I'll keep these, then.
2: No, I'm not, I'm no not, I'm don't worry.
5: Moisture. No, don't worry. I'll put no. you on liquid foods. Anyway, it'll do you go to diet. You've put on a bit of weight since I last treated you. you? What do I treat you for? Uh, uh, nappy rash. That was
1: <laughs> Still troubling you? No, 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 no,
5: sir. Good. Anyway, you're far too fat. Uh, how much have you gained? Three pounds? No, sir. Six pounds? No, sir. 11
4: pounds.
5: No. 13 pounds. No. 13 pounds, 10 ounces. All right, then, open the box, Mr. Roddy. You have turned down 13 pounds, 10 ounces, so let's see what you have won. Mr. Roddy, you have won Kenneth Wollstone. Well, well done, Mr. Roddy. Good night, and that's all for this week, but don't forget to join us again next week, when it may be your turn to beat the clock. Good night, everyone.
0: Of foes sing of the great law keepers,
1: Marshall Dillon, Wyatt Earp, and Sheriff Pat Masterson. This is the story of an unsung hero, greater than them all, and an Englishman too. A man who kept the peace in one of the toughest parts of the West, Somerset. He left this world a better place, and the bad men bowed at the side of his face. No one knew from where he came, but the criminals cringed at the sound of his name, men called
5: him... Police, Constable Herbert Platt, Somerset, Constabulary. (laughs) Greatest moment of them all.
1: Defending you where he shared. He controlled the traffic in the market square. Tall as a giant, he proudly stood with a voice like thunder that could
5: chill your blood when he said, Hello, 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 what's all this then? Good morning, sir, madam. Welcome to the Harmony Hearts Marriage Guidance Bureau. We're here to provide a helpful word in times of stress, a shoulder to lean on in your hour of need. Have you an appointment? Oh, no. Then get out.
3: room, uh, and you don't look very busy. How do
5: you know I'm not very busy? How do you know I'm not expecting somebody at this very moment, some very important client with an appointment? How do you know I'm not up to my ears and correspondence with the utmost priority? Well, well, if you put it like that. As it happens, I'm not very busy at the moment, so you'd better sit down.
3: Oh, thank you.
5: And now then, what are your names? Horace and Ariadne Bootle. I see. (laughs) And which is which?
3: I'm Horace. (laughs) So
5: the lady must be Mrs. Bootle. I'm
3: Ariadne.
5: Oh, so you must be Mrs. Bootle. No, I'm Mr. Boothall. You just said you were Horace. Yes, I'm Mr. Horace Boothall.
3: And I'm Mrs. Horace Boothall.
5: So I must be Ariadne. Good.
3: <laughs> well, now,
5: will you tell me why you've come up to see me?
3: Well... Horace and I have just
4: come in for a check y- Yes, we just wanted to make sure our marriage was running along the right lines.
5: Well, this is highly regular, but I'll do what I can. Uh, just a few routine questions to start with, then. Now, do you like rhubarb tart? No. Mm-hmm. Pity, I was going to give you a bit.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
5: now, Mr. Boothal, are you happily married?
2: Well, yes, I am. Mm, does
5: your wife know about this, Mr. Boothal? <laughs> Do you ever quarrel with your wife? Never, never. Why not, you little ninny? Are you afraid of her? Come, come, Mr. Bootle. Well, surely you don't expect me to believe you're frightened of that dumpy little beggar. look well, here. Why are you afraid of her, Bootle? Is she blackmailing you? Of course not. Why is she blackmailing you, Bootle? What have you got to hide? Nothing. Come now, Mr. Bootle. Let's not play games. It's another woman, isn't it? Of course it is. She knows about the other woman, doesn't she? And she's threatened to tell your wife. But she is my wife. So you haven't told her you're already married. What? You haven't told her about your first wife then, have you, Mr. Bootle? Why not? I never had a first wife. Don't lie to me, Bootle. What happened to your first wife, eh, Bootle? What happened to her? But I
4: haven't got a... Purpose. They
5: never found the body, did they?
4: Oh, you
3: blue beard, Horace, you monster!
4: But I've never heard such a pack of lies, in all. Surely you don't believe, well, I'm going home to mother.
3: <laughs> oh, how could I have married an unprincipled fiend like that?
5: There, there, my dear, don't fret. Um, by the way, you free for dinner tonight? <laughs>
3: The University of the Air is an idea that is rapidly catching on. And so, ever ready to do our duty, for a spot of ready, we present our own history teach out at the I'm Sorry Redbrick University of the Air.
0: We turn back the pages of history to reveal the mysteries of the past. Oh, cheeky thing. <laughs> and so let time's winged chariot speed backwards through the ages to the time when life was but a nursling in the cradle of youth, when proud men um, walked. Get through...
1: on with it.
0: And so we look at Julius Caesar. Oh,
1: mm, don't fancy him.
0: What do we know of Julius Caesar? Nothing. Look, do you mind? Uh-oh. I'm trying to do this part straight. I'm sorry. It's not easy, you know. You fooling around with <laughs> cheap laughs doesn't make it any better. Oh, come on, give us a No, I'm hurt. Sit. You don't know anything about Caesar? No,
1: I do. Well, I know his famous last words. And they were? Uh, quad era demonstrandum.
0: That means which was to be proved. What was to be proved? Which was. I'm not surprised, Lorichard's oh. words.
5: The river having been crossed by boats, Caesar with legionaries proceeded to attack the garrison. <laughs> What's that? Memories. <laughs> happy summers, Latin primers, net practice, the sharp crack of willow against flesh in happy conjunction. <laughs> the ablative absolute, wonderful day,
0: wonderful. While Caesar lived, everyone paid tribute to him. About 30 bob a week. In his spare time, Caesar conquered most of the world. His first conquest was France. Caesar wrote in his diary...
3: I'm worried about Jim.
0: Caesar wrote in his diary... (laughs)
3: Last
0: night, Evans went outside. What Caesar actually wrote in his diary was... Totar gallia divisum in tria
1: which means france is divided into three parties conservative labor and liberal look that's it
0: <laughs> i've had enough i'm stopping now no more that's it nothing you can say will make me forgive you
4: nothing rhubarb talk <laughs> i forgive you go on
1: well get on with it then. oh me yeah well, talk about caesar and
5: france do that <clears throat> oh
1: um well uh he started the french general elections uh, where they elect the generals, and um, this worked very well. And so he went on to become the first man to win Britain, beating Bodicea 3-0. And the game <laughs> in the Griezmann, after extra yeah, time, of course. On. Now, Osborne oh, wasn't on. able to play, He's so it making making Don, don't come to the And it was very rough.
5: Well, as everyone knows, the Romans were a forward-looking people who counted their years backwards. So Caesar was killed in 44 BC and arrived in Britain in 54 BC, about ten years after he'd been killed. In fact, he was born in 98 BC and was therefore about seven when he died. In his first battle, Caesar came in for a beating.
0: Ah, Caesar, what is it?
1: I've just come in for a beating, sir.
4: (laughs) But he went on to conquer Britain and build a lot of one-way streets that lead only to Rome. He He thereby cut off his (laughs) retreats. And so Caesar took a holiday and went to Egypt, where he fell desperately in love with Cleopatra, who was fourteen. But then there weren't any juvenile courts in Egypt.
5: Cleopatra, <laughs> I've bought you mighty presents from Rome 2,000 turtledoves, 300 Nubian slaves, 200 galleys, 100 golden goblets, and a partridge in a present.
2: <laughs> oh, Caesar,
3: I have a present for you which surpasses all desire.
5: Try me, what is it?
2: <laughs>
3: An obelisk.
0: Not on this program. <laughs> Once with Cleopatra... I thought you'd gone! Well, I thought I'd come back for this bit. It's rather good, you see. Once with Cleopatra, he led a life of debauchery, as the Bible has it. Or pleasure, as they have it in Chelsea. (laughs) Don't they have it in Chelsea?
2: Oh, they do! They do!
0: And so... I should say... And so in Egypt, Caesar became very dissolute and indulged in lascivious wassails, as Shakespeare has it. And didn't Shakespeare have it? (laughs)
2: One day Caesar
5: received a warning. It's about Brutus, sir. Two, three. About two, three. Eight, two, three. Off sir. What about Brutus? Pray, I don't trust him, sir. Ah. Look, (laughs) do you mind not making that extraordinary noise? Mm. I beg your pardon, sir. I'll just stand myself at ease.
1: Stand it.
5: Wait for it.
1: (laughs) Stand it.
5: (laughs) Wait, just that I found him shiftless, sir. Good heavens, not in public, I hope.
2: (laughs) Now, look,
5: no. I want some troops for my forthcoming battle. Yes, sir. How many
1: light artillery do you want? Uh, how about a battery? Oh, no, they work off the mains.
5: <laughs> I see.
1: Well, what else have you? Well, I can let you have three foot soldiers.
5: I do you have anything a little taller?
2: <laughs>
5: Eventually, Caesar was stabbed in the
4: Appian way.
1: And that's a very nasty way to be stabbed. <laughs>
4: Sorry, did I say the Appian way? I meant he was stabbed in the Senate.
1: That's even nastier.
4: While conducting any other business. Any other business.
1: Take that! Oh!
5: Caesar, you're dying. I know it. The time has come at last. So I die. Kiss me, Hardy. (laughs) No, you fool, Brute. (laughs) Kiss
0: me, Brute. I think you did that very movingly. <laughs> it wasn't an easy part for a person of your experience, and you, you moved me. Thank you.
3: Next week, we shall be discussing the famous spies of the First World War, Alfred Tahari and his mother, Marta Hari. <laughs> Good night.
0: And with the Angus Prune tune, we once again draw a veil over I'm Sorry I'll Read That Again. The voices you heard were those of Timbrook Taylor, John Cleese, Graham Garden, David Hatch, Joe Kendall and Billotti. The scripts were by Timbrook Taylor, John Cleese, Bill Ody, Graham Garden, Alan Hutchison and Eric Idle. The songs by Bill Ody, Eric Idle and John Cameron. And the music by Dave Lee with arrangements by Leon Cohen. The whole show was produced by Humphrey Barclay, of all people. <laughs> so that's it until the same time again next week when John Otto Cleese will surprise you once again with the words...
2: Boo! <laughs>
1: I'm shaking my both i happy to know. You've been listening to Red Eye Theater. Listen again next week for another Goon Show, followed by, I'm sorry, I'll read that again,